You know, when we first moved into the church, um, there was a news reporter that came out and did an interview, and I couldn't be here, so Don did the interview. And I don't know if I was out of town. Was I out of town, Don? I, I, I was somewhere. And as soon as I got back, Don just came to me, and he was just, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. And uh, basically, it was just kind of, he didn't feel like he did a good job, and and when he stuck his head around the corner, I just totally forgot where I was going with that whole entire story. All I expected here was a little yes. But anyway, uh, let me give you two other quick announcements while you're turning your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. Best way to get to 1 Peter is to go to the book of Revelation, the end of the Bible. Back up, put it in reverse, go through Jude, 3rd, 2nd, 1st John, 2nd Peter, and then 1st Peter right there. Now, they're all real small little books, probably just a page uh, per book once you get past the book of Revelation. So First Peter chapter 4. Today at 4 o'clock, for those who are members of the church, uh, we'll be discussing our faith financial guide for 2010. We will start at, uh, at 4. My part will be done at 5.30. I can stay as long as you need me to stay and answer questions. Don will be here and we'll be basically taking a look back and a look ahead and share some goals that we have for 2010 as we discuss our faith financial guide. Also, this coming Friday is Rome at the Dome, 6 to 9 o'clock, Garden City Junior High School. It is a wonderful time for you to invite people, uh, families to come and just experience kind of a Kirby event. It's a lot of fun. If you've been there before, you know it's a blast. By the way, I have been asked if I don't have kids that are you know, first through sixth grade or birth through sixth grade, can I still come? Absolutely, it's a church-wide event. We just have a lot of things there for the children to do. And so, man, we want you to invite your family and friends, neighbors to come and be with us in, uh, in that setting. Well, overtime is exciting in basketball. And we're still in our series, You Got Game. And so... I just kind of want to play on that theme. And the title of today's message is, in this game, there's no overtime. In this game, there's no overtime. Uh, Overtime's exciting in basketball. I was coaching a basketball team with Blake, Joe, Mikey Caldwell on it years and years and years ago. I, I was going to wear my coaching outfit. They got me this purple kind of vest and sweater and the... I would look like a grape if I wore it, so I just thought I would just kind of wear this. But I was coaching this team, and we were playing one of our arch rivals, Southfield Christian. And we had a nice lead, and as the game wore on, man, we gave every bit of it away. Now, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but I can be a little competitive. And I was not a happy coach at all. We were wasting our opportunities. We were throwing the ball away. We had totally checked out of the game. And with about 20 seconds left, we were tied after having a huge lead. I called a timeout, inspired the team, rallied the troops, drew up a play, and I told him, I said, guys, if you will do exactly what I tell you to do, we will win this game. Yo, coach, yo, coach, all right, let's go, guys. They went out on the floor, did absolutely nothing that I told them to do in the huddle. Boy, was time ran out, we went into overtime. I'm screaming. 
as time is running out before we went in overtime, I'm screaming because they're just being real lackadaisical, you know. They're just, they're just one guy, my son, Blake, he's just out there dribbling the ball. That's all he's doing. And the clock's winding down and I'm screaming, go, you got to go. Come on, you got to go. Time's running out, you got to go. He didn't go. He just stood there dribbling the ball. The buzzer went off. We went into overtime, and those five boys did not want to walk off that floor and see me going into overtime, I guarantee you. you. You know, we all know that in the game of life, there's no overtime. In soccer, you can go to extended play. In baseball, you can go to extra innings. In football, you can go to sudden death. In basketball, you can go to overtime. But in life, in this game... There is no overtime. When the buzzer goes off, when your time is up, that's it for this earth and your time here on this earth. You know, basketball has, in professional basketball, has 48 minutes. That's how long their game is. College basketball is 20 minutes. My little guys played six, four, six-minute quarters, 24 minutes. We all know the game's going to be over. The point is not that the game is going to be over. The point is, what did you do during the game? In life, it's not about when you die. We all know unless the Lord comes, we're going to die. point is not about when you die. The point is how you live. Amen? It's not about when you die. It's about when you live. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. Peter writes, and this is the Apostle Peter who denied Jesus. This is the Apostle Peter who jumped out of the boat. This is the Apostle Peter who was the big mouth, loud mouth of the group. He said, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. He said, the end of all things is near. That's apocalyptic terms. That's an eschatological phrase. And and the early church understood that it meant that Jesus Christ could come at any moment. James would echo the same thought in James chapter 5 and verse 8 when he says, You too be patient, stand firm, because the Lord's coming draws near. Both expressions about the Lord's coming implies the coming of Jesus Christ is imminent. Now, that doesn't mean immediate. Imminent just means that it could happen at any time. It could happen while we're sitting here before the sermon is over. It could happen before you get home. It could be happened before the Oscars tonight. It could happen before Selection Sunday next week. I'm telling you, there is nothing left to happen for Jesus Christ to come. All the prophecy has been fulfilled. The only thing that stays his return is God's wonderful grace extended to you and me. He can come at any moment. So Peter said the end of all things is near. Be clear-minded, self-controlled, so that you can pray. Now, I don't know when your time on earth is going to end, and I don't know if it's going to end by death, and I don't know if it's going to end by the Lord's return. 
This I do know that when it happens, the choices that you've made, the life that you've lived, the decisions you've made will be final. There is no overtime. There is no court of appeals. There is no way to go back and redo or undo what you did do while you were here. I about got one too many do's in there and I'd have been in trouble right there. It's not when you die. It's how you live. And I'm afraid we're so busy trying to make a living that we forget to live. I'm afraid we get so caught up in in everything that we see around us that we have just completely forgotten how to live. So knowing that the end of all things is near, Peter coaches us to be clear-minded, self-controlled. It means simply to keep your head. In the original language, it means to control one mental's to control one's mental faculties. If I was a coach in coaching jargon, it would be focus, stay alert, play under control, know what's going on. And in our little game, we lost our focus because we didn't keep our heads. We threw the ball away. We wasted time. We wasted opportunity. We're not aware of what was going on. They went on a scoring streak. We lost our, our composure. The, the fans got excited. The pace picked up. They kept coming after us defensively. We were not clear-headed. Doesn't that ever happen to you in life? Things are going along well. Your relationship with God is okay. You know, church is good, life group's great, and and you're just enjoying where you're at. And then the devil goes on a little scoring streak in your life. Makes you start to doubt, worry, fret, kind of get your eyes and your focus off of of Christ. And and maybe the, the pace and the activity of your life picks up and it gets a little frantic. And the devil just kind of keeps coming at you because he's unrelenting. And he just keeps coming and he just keeps coming and he just keeps coming. But it doesn't seem like a big thing. And, and you know you're a little off your game, but it doesn't seem like it's such a big deal because you've got time, you know, and, and, and if you don't take care of it today, if you don't have devotions today, if you don't read your Bible today, if you don't pray today, if, if you don't seek some kind of encouragement today, well, hey, that's okay, because tomorrow, but you know the devil is just as unrelenting tomorrow as he is today. You ever been there? You see, it's not when you die, but it's how you live. And a lot of times the devil gets the upper hand and we lose this ability to be clear-minded. Do any of you University of Michigan Wolverine fans remember this group right here? The Fab Five. Remember this game? You know what game I'm talking about, right? The ladies are gone now, the guys are gone It was in the early 90s. The score was 73-71. It was the championship game of the NCAA. The Fab Five, supposedly the greatest five that ever would approach or don a college uniform. The sharpest, brightest, most gifted five ever to be put on the floor. The Fab Five, University of Michigan had it. They were playing the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. It was the championship game. They had time on the clock. Michigan had the ball. They, they were, the score was 73-71. The ball is passed. The fans are going crazy. Michigan has the ball. They dribble it up court. The fans are going absolutely wild. And they pass the ball over to Chris Weber. And Chris Weber calls a timeout. 
problem is they didn't have a timeout. Now, in basketball, when you call a timeout and there are no timeouts, it's a technical foul on the bench and you get two shots plus the ball. Well, that just basically blew the game open for Carolina. There was a lot of finger pointing after the game. Certainly Weber, a fab fiver, should have known. One of the assistant coaches always has the responsibility before you break a huddle to tell the team how many timeouts that are left. And certainly the head coach has ultimate responsibility to say, you know, in this situation, we got to play. We're not calling timeout. But none of that happened. And in the panic of the game, in the fury of the game, in the frenetic pace of the game, Weber kind of lost his head. He wasn't clear-minded, and he called the timeout, and he called Michigan the championship of which I am very sad you know in life you can get and you can go through life without a clear head the Bible says the end of all things is near and it's imperative that we keep our priorities right our focus right That we don't waste the opportunities that God's given us the opportunities that we have we have to keep a clear head Listen to the words of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. I'll say it in the King James and you can read it out of the NIV. It's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. The NIV says just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. The fact is the clock is ticking down on all of us. And in life there's no overtime. Does anybody know the significance of December 4th, it's a Monday, December 4th, 2045? December 4th, Monday, 2045. That's the day I'm supposed to die. I'm glad nobody said amen there. Some of you are thinking, please go sooner, you know? Tommy and I were looking for a a clock to count down because I thought it would be cool to have a a 20-minute message and to have the clock just kind of count down behind me. And so we're trying to find this clock, and he found the uh, – this this site is called deathclock.com. Only Tommy could find something entitled deathclock.com. And what it is, they just figure out when you're going to die. I don't know the basis of it. They ask your height, your weight, your body, or your BMI, and all that kind of stuff. So Tommy thought it would be cool to put my stuff in there. He put my mess in there. If you were normal, it gave you one date. If you were optimistic, it gave you that date. Tommy put in that I was optimistic. Monday, December the 4th, 2045. Is that right, 2045? Yeah, 2045. I'll die at the ripe old age of 85. Please mark your calendars. Don't have anything to do. Now, if you're a negative person, Tommy thought, you know, let's try what happened if Pastor Mike's a negative guy. If I was a negative guy, I'd have been dead two years ago, according to deathclock.com. Fact of the matter is, none of us know when we're going to die, neither does deathclock.com, but the Bible says that God knows because it's an appointment, and nothing will keep you away from that appointment, not the best medicine in the world, not, not the best 
thoughts and, and diets in the world you can exercise every day and, 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 and that would be great. Obviously, some of us don't, but you can have the right exercise and the right diet. You can have the right temperament. You can have the right attitude in life. You can have stress-free and all of that, but I'm telling you, you and I have an appointment that it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. See, God's not concerned when you die. He's concerned how you live. And the judgment is not when you put all your good things on one end of a teeter-totter and all the bad things you've done at the other end of the teeter-totter or the scales and whichever way they go, that decides whether you're going to go to heaven or hell. That's not it at all. The central overriding issue that will decide your eternity and where you spend eternity and thus how you will live on this earth is what did you do with Jesus Christ, the holy, righteous Son of God. The central issue of judgment is what did you do with Jesus. For when you come face to face with Jesus, it changes everything. Jesus, in one chapter, in Matthew chapter 25, he gave three parables, one about the talents, or one about ten virgins. They were, they were ten friends, and basically the, bride was, the bridegroom was coming to get the bride, and, and you were supposed to be ready when the bridegroom came to go to the bride's house to take them back to the wedding. And all you had to do to go to the wedding was be ready when the bride comes. And Jesus was simply telling us, the end of all things is near. Be ready, because I'm coming. He gives the next parable in Matthew chapter 25, it's the parable of the talents. Talents is a unit of money. And he gave, in this story, there was a master, there was an owner uh, of, of properties, and he gave one of his employees five talents, five units of money. He gave another one two units of money. He gave one one unit of money. The guy who had five invested it got five more. The guy who had two invested it got two more. The guy who had one was afraid that he would lose favor with the boss, so he put it in a safe. He hid it. He didn't invest it, didn't put it in the bank for minimal interest. He hid it. And when the master came back, he rewarded the guy who had five and got five more. He rewarded just exactly the same, the guy who had two and had two more. But the guy who did not embrace the opportunity, the guy who did not live life as the master had intended it to, using and, and embracing the opportunities he'd been given, the Bible says that he was cast away. That parable just simply tells us that God expects us to live with eternity in mind and take advantage of the opportunities that we've been given. Then he wraps up Matthew chapter 25 with the story of the sheep and the goats. And then there's sheep and he puts them on his right and, and there's the goats that he puts on the left and he looks at the goats and he says, depart from me, I don't know you. And they said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We do know you. We went to your temples. We sang in your choirs. We heard the prophets and the preachers preach. Jesus said, no, no, no. I was hungry and you didn't give me anything to eat. I was thirsty and you wouldn't even give a cup of cold water in my name. I was naked. And you wore your fine clothes and your Gucci bags and your Palmberg hats and you walked right by me. He said, I was sick and nobody offered to tend to me. 
You read the story in the end of Matthew chapter 5. It's not about the dying. It's about how we do the living. See, in this game, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse 7, the end of all things is near. It's not about when you die. It's about how you live. Peter tells us how to live. Matter of fact, if you would read verse 8, it says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others. It's not about the dying. It's about the living. So let's just say before you get home today, the buzzer goes off. Your appointment has been made. And you step from this time into God's eternity. And it's appointed on the man once to die, after that to judgment. And you stand in front of God. And he's going to say, okay, what did you do with my son Jesus? Did you accept him as your Lord and Savior? Did you embrace his truth and live out his truth? Because if you live out his truth, you'll, you'll feed the poor. You'll give a cup of cold water. You'll... So I guess really what I'm asking is, if your life was over right now, would you be proud to face Jesus for the way that you've lived it? Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? See, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, that's the first issue you got to take care of. you got to give Christ your heart. You simply pray a prayer and say, forgive me of my sins and come into my heart I want to live for you. And then for those of us who have prayed the prayer, it's not about when we die, it's about how we live. Not self-centeredly and buying our house and pouring into our stock portfolios and nothing wrong with that. That just can't be the main thing of your life. It's not the ultimate prize. For when you stand in judgment on streets of gold inside walls of jasper, your stock portfolio is going to look pretty lame. And when you stand in front of Jesus and you got those church pins that we used to give out, you got 10, 20, 30 years of perfect attendance. was all you did you missed it because it's not that you just showed up for the game but that you lived it so if your time on earth was done right now Christian would you be proud to face Jesus with how you lived your life
See, you and I simply need to understand that the end of all things is near. Be clear-minded, self-controlled. I wonder, would you just simply raise a hand and say, Pastor, I, man, I've just kind of lost focus in my Christian life here. I love Jesus. I've given him my heart. But boy, sometimes it just the devil just keeps coming after me and life just keeps coming and the pace of life and, and my attitude and oh, sometimes it's just hard. And I get my eyes and I lose my focus. And I wonder if you would just raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to live well because I know Jesus is coming or one day I'm going to face him. And I want to live well for him. I want to embrace what he's got. I want to take advantage of the opportunity he's given me. I wonder if there'd just be one, two of you. You just say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you. Oh, man, lots of you. Raise your hand. Just raise it, put it right back down. This might be one of those good prayer days where you just come and kneel in an altar of prayer and say, God, I want to finish well. I want to finish well. Every how many days I got left, I want to finish well. Every days, however how many days I got till you come, I want to finish well. Would you stand to your feet, Father? Many hands were raised. And Father, may we just maybe it's just a good morning to fall on our face and recommit to you and and say God I want to finish well I want to finish well I know you're coming and if you don't come I know one day I'll face death I've got an appointment with it and I want to live for you well with no regret and no remorse I want to live I want to finish well I I want to live with your purpose in mind so you raised your hand why don't you just slip out and come and pray right now Don's going to sing one verse and I mean just one verse or something